Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, this morning I want to continue our series, Joyful. In fact, I want to conclude our series, Joyful, A Generous and Content Life. We've been looking through the book of Philippians. It's more of a survey than a study. Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul himself. He was about 60 years of age when he wrote this book and he wrote it from prison, which is quite phenomenal. He was quarantined, he was isolated, much like we've been for the last 10 weeks. And Paul wrote this letter for a couple of reasons. One, to thank them for their incredible generosity. They sent Paul a gift and he received that gift and he wanted to say thank you. But also to encourage them, to encourage them to keep their joy to keep their joy in spite of circumstances. This four chapter book is an incredible book on how you and I can keep our joy no matter what we are going through, no matter what we are facing in life. And so I trust this has blessed you as much as it's blessed me as I've shared it to you. And so we're gonna conclude today, starting from Philippians chapter four and verse one. Verse one says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, to whom I love and long for, you are my joy and my crown. And He says, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. Amen. He says this, He says, You are my joy and you are my crown or you are my reward. Which is interesting because Paul doesn't say that my crown in life is my preaching. The crown is not my travel. The crown is not the miracles that I've seen performed through my words and the laying on of hands. He says, no, no, my greatest joy and my greatest reward is You. It's You, it's people. And I believe the greatest joy in our life is people. I know some of the hardships also because of people. In actual fact, people are both beautiful and brutal. They are brutal. But I do believe that our greatest joys are that when it comes to being with people. For me, my greatest joys are indeed my wife. I I love being married. I love seeing her up here today, standing up here confidently in her gift, doing what God has called her to do. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my family. I thank God for our incredible three kids. This morning I was able to watch online and see Mitch stand up on stage in Life Church in New Zealand. Pastor Scott Thornton was preaching a message and gave him a two minute slot in his preach. And he just stood up there in the confidence and the gift that God had called him to do. And I just really enjoy seeing him growing in his gift. I thank God, that, that's my joy, that's my reward. I thank God for my friends and I thank God for this church. Hey, I want you to know, let's never take people for granted. People are beautiful. And Paul says, you, you, Philippians, you are my joy. You are my crown. You are my reward. Yes, it's great preaching. Yes, it's incredibly uh, incredible privilege to be used in the signs, miracles and wonders. But you know, my greatest joy and my greatest reward is you yourselves. And then because of this love that He has for them, He encourages them to stand firm. And He says, stand firm in your faith. In other words, don't give up and don't give in, but stand firm firm. And then He says this, stand against anything that would steal your joy. And as I mentioned last week, we spend a lot of time locking our homes, our cars and our phones. Why? So they are not stolen or the information on those devices are not stolen. How much more should we guard our hearts and guard our minds so that our joy is not stolen? 
And in chapter four, Paul gets very practical about how you and I can do this. And so it's an incredible privilege to be able to share this with you today. And reading from verse four of chapter four, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, if you're my vintage, you will be reminded of an old song we used to sing. And maybe even you remember this, Naomi. Rejoice in the Lord always. You may remember that if you're my vintage or older, you're welcome. And uh, if you're younger and don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. But there you go. They're the songs that we grew up in, in church. Verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. The subtitle of my message today would simply be this, The Right Stuff. And some of you uh, kids that grew up in the 90s would remember New Kids on the Block. They had the song, The Right. Yeah, Naomi's going for it. <laughs> uh, but I want to I talk about the right stuff today because I believe when it comes to standing firm and guarding our hearts and guarding our minds, it's going to involve the right stuff. It's going to involve us doing the right things in this season. Otherwise, what we're hoping for or dreaming for or desiring will just be a, a vain hope. But Paul says, we don't have a vain hope. We have a living hope. But this living hope, these rights that we have access to also comes with responsibilities. And so Paul digs down and says, it's gonna take a few things that we need to do right. And the first one is this, it involves right praying. Right praying. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. And I want to tell you, this is not, I do not believe this is a rebuke from Paul. I, I, I believe he's addressing the fact that we all get anxious. This is not for us to feel guilty when we get anxious. As if anxiety is not bad enough without feeling guilty. No, this is not a rebuke from Paul. He's addressing the fact that we get anxious. The reason he's addressing it is because he knows anxiety exists. And so if you're feeling anxious today, I say guilt off you, shame off you because He loves you. God loves you and wants to help you. And Paul loved the Philippians and he was hoping to help them. But he was also reminding them that nothing is worth being anxious about. So he understands, but he's actually bringing a helpful and healthy reminder that nothing is worth being anxious about. In other words, God never approves of anxiety. You may have lost your job and God's there for you. But he's not saying, okay, you're exempt. You can be anxious. No, because anxiety doesn't help anybody. In actual fact, I heard it said that worry is worshipping the problem. Worry is worshipping the problem. I also heard it said that worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So let's not be anxious, Paul says. He says, but in everything, in every situation, let's pray. And as Craig Rochelle says, that anxiety is a signal that it's time for you and I 
to pray. If you're feeling anxious, that, that's like an alarm for us to start praying. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. So don't worry about anything, Paul's saying, but let's pray about everything. And Paul didn't just say to pray about it. It's not just a casual, I just pray about it. It's not just deflecting. He actually uses three words to describe what it is to pray right. And the first word he uses is thanksgiving. And I believe all of our prayers should start with thanksgiving because let's be honest, everyone likes the words thank you. You think about doing something for someone and they don't say thank you. Think about how you feel for a moment when you do something and, and people don't even acknowledge it. Every one of us likes a thank you. And I believe when we come before God, before we ask anything, we should spend time thanking Him. Why? Because He's done so much in our lives. He's done so much for us. So Paul's saying, come on, if we're gonna pray, let's pray right. And let's start our prayers with thanksgiving. The second word he uses is supplication. And supplication is a big word that simply means an earnest sharing of our needs and our problems. It's not a carnal energy, it's not a hype. Some people think the more hyper they get, the more God's going to hear. Now, God's not into hype, but He is into a spiritual intensity. Yeah. Kind of like the intensity we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when He's sweating droplets of blood and He's crying out to God the Father, if this cup can be removed from me, yet not my will. This is Jesus pouring out His heart. And I believe if we're going to truly pray, if we're going to pray right, we need to pour out our heart. I use this illustration often. And it's that of an iron. You can iron all day long. And if unless the iron has heat, you'll never get rid of the wrinkles. And I believe it's the heat in the iron and it's the heat in our prayers that actually move the heart of God. So it's not just ironing, it's the hot iron that gets rid of the wrinkles. And it's not just praying, it's the heat in our prayers. It's the earnest passion in our prayers that moves the heart of God. And thirdly, he says, let our requests be made known to God. I love that thought that we should make our requests known to God. And I think this is one of the things we do wrong. We let everyone else know about what's the problem, but we forget to let God know. See, God's not offended when we bring all of our needs in actual fact, that's what He wants us to do. Again, much like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Jesus that went to the Father. He didn't burden those around Him. He went to the Father. And so whatever your needs are, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you are going through today, know this, you can bring those requests by the truckload if necessary and you can lay them at the feet of Jesus because that's where they belong. You are not desired, uh, designed sorry, to carry the burden or the weight of those problems. But God is bigger than you. He's stronger than you. And He's able to take the weight of those problems in our lives. So let's make our requests known to God. And if we will do this, Paul says, here's the, here's the cool thing. If we will do this, he says, the peace of God will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. It'll guard against worry. What is worry? Worry is wrong feelings that we feel in our heart. Worry is wrong thoughts that we have in our mind. And when we pray right, we'll have a peace that will guard our hearts and guard our minds. It's interesting to note that there is a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it talks about having peace with God. 
And this is that one-off work of justification where we give our lives to Jesus and we have peace with God. But then we have to live the rest of our lives and we live in a world where there's stress and pressure and anxiety is all around about us. And Paul is talking about having peace here on earth. So there's peace with God when, and that comes when we give our lives to Jesus. But then there's a peace of God, which is a work of sanctification, which is a process. And this takes time and this takes a daily relationship with Him. Whenever we feel anxious, we come to Him. It's much like a wedding. I got married way back in 1992 on the 8th of February. That was a one-off event in my life. But since then, Kath and I have had many, many conversations. And I believe our Christian walk is like that. We come into a relationship with Jesus, this one-off moment in time where we raise our hand and say yes to Jesus, which is just beautiful and wonderful. But then we begin a relationship and it's a daily walk and a daily communion with Him. So if you want the peace of God, you've got to pray right. You've got to actually give yourself to Him. Otherwise, we'll have peace with God, but we'll live worried and we'll live miserable. And I truly believe that's why there are so many miserable Christians today because they have peace with God, but they're not living in the peace of God. And so Paul says you've got to have right praying, but not only right praying, but also right thinking. We need right thinking. See, the way you think is the most powerful influence in your life. And it will set off a chain of events that will change your life for good or for bad. You may have heard it said, if you sow a thought, you'll reap an action. If you sow an action, you'll reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you'll reap a character. And if you sow a character, you'll reap a destiny. In other words, you'll never rise higher than your thinking. The Bible says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In actual fact, Proverbs 23 verse 6 says this, Do not eat with the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies. For he's the kind of man who's always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says, but in his heart, he's not with you. In other words, he's telling you one thing, but he's thinking another. I don't know, Lee, if you've ever experienced this, where you say, hey, you know, someone says to you, hey, help yourself to the fridge. That that sounds generous. But when you actually help yourself to the fridge, you you see them getting fidgety, you see them getting nervous. It's because they they want the appearance of generosity, but at the whole time they're weighing up the cost. Oh my gosh, Lee took something. He took the cheese and he took the wine and he took took everything. And and they're trying to have the appearance of generosity, but on the inside and their thinking is stingy. And so when you take advantage of their supposed generosity, it's like a knife to their heart because all the time they're running a calculator in their mind, counting the cost. And that person is ministering out of their brokenness, out of their hurt, and out of their stinking thinking. And Paul's saying, hey, if we can have joy in spite of our circumstance, we need to make sure that we are thinking right. And then he tells uh, the Philippians specifically what to think about. He says, think about whatever is true. You know, often we get caught in our truth, but Jesus said, it's the truth that will set you free, not your truth. I think this is where many of us go wrong. We hold on to our truth or our version of the truth and wonder why we're still so bound up and so bitter and so twisted and trying to get people on uh, on our side of the story. But Jesus said, you know what? If you want true freedom, you've got to embrace the truth. Not just your truth, not just their truth, but His truth because it's His truth that will set you free. He talks about thinking about things that are noble and right. In other words, things that are worthy of respect. 
In other words, don't fill your head with rubbish. There's lots of good things to think about. There's lots of bad things to think about. Don't fill your head with those things that don't matter. Think about whatever is noble, whatever is right. He goes on to say whatever is pure, lovely and admirable. And this is about sexual purity. You know, we live in a sexually perverse world. You know, being a virgin before you're married is kind of like, an, like a 1950s thinking for many, many people. But I believe God's heart for you, God's heart for me, God's heart for the church and God's heart for this nation is that there would be purity and that we would be able to inspire purity in others. And he says, think about whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. In other words, things that make us better and things that make us do better. Let's think about those things. Let's not fill our time thinking about things that don't really matter, but let's think about those things. He talks about right praying. He talks about right thinking. And thirdly, he talks about right living. He says this, he says, whatever you learnt, received, heard or saw in me, put it into practice. See, it's one thing to learn the truth, but it's another to receive it. It's another to be, believe it and to be shaped by it. In other words, the facts in our head are not enough. It must be truth in our heart. I mentioned earlier that Mitch had an opportunity to share at Life Church in New Zealand this morning. And Pastor Scott Thornton asked him to share about his winter season. Mitch went over to New Zealand with certain things in mind that were going to happen while he was over there. And no sooner had he got over there that things went into lockdown. And so he found himself on the North Shore of New Zealand, away from everything that was familiar. And uh, he, he took this time to, to find God in ways that uh, other seasons he would never have found God. And the thing he said this morning, which really blessed me, he said, God, I, I know you're there in my head. In my head, I know you're there. I know you're working all things together for good, but I wanna use this season for it to go from my head into my heart. And he's come out of lockdown, a changed kid with a changed attitude and a changed heart. And I thank God for that. And that is my prayer for each and every one of us, that we would have not just head knowledge, but we would have heart conviction because you cannot separate outward action from inward attitude. See, Paul not only taught the Word, but he lived it. I love what James chapter 2 says. Verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. In other words, if we have faith, then we need to show it. It needs to be modelled. People need to see it. And Paul was able to say, remember the things I said, but not only what I said, but actually what I modelled. And so if we're going to have true joy, it's not enough just to know stuff. You've got to live it. It's got to go deeper. And it's my prayer that in this pandemic, in this lockdown season, we have found God. You might have lost lots of things, but my prayer is that we have found God, that we would be a people that have found God. I know for me, I found God in ways in this season that I've never known before. And that's my prayer for you. Not only does Paul say that we've got to live right, but he says you've got to do, right, do the work. Do the work. In other words, we need to repeat these three things. We need to pray right, Paul says. We need to uh, live right. And we need to think right. And then we need to continue to repeat this. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he repeats himself. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, you and I 
ultimately, at the end of time, need to do the work. It's great uh, that uh, we have people in our lives to help us. I thank God for people in my lives. I've mentioned Life Church, Pastor Paul and Marie, an incredible help to to me, Pastor Danny Guglamici. I thank God for these mentors and these people in my life. I, I would say, you know what? By all means, get all the help you can. But we need to be a people ultimately that do the work. You know, when we want to lose weight and get fit for summer, because I do believe that uh, summer bodies are made in winter, just saying that. And uh, you you can get a personal trainer who can give you exercises to do. You can get a personal trainer that can give you the food to eat. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm sorry to say this, Laura, but at the end of the day, all that advice, all that help, you need to do the work. Because the personal trainer can't do the work for you. They can give you exercises to do. They can give you a eating program to follow. But at the end of the day, we need to do the work. You know what? Sometimes the best helping hand is at the end of your own arm. The Bible is actually full of a lot of do-it-yourself Christianity. You know, I do believe in altar calls and I do believe in the laying on of hands and I do believe in praying for people and I do believe in encouraging people and I do believe in standing with people. I do. I do. I'm a pastor at heart. But I also know that there are some things that you can only do for yourself. God will not do for you what He expects you to do for yourself. The Bible's full of do-it-yourself Christianity. It says, clothe yourself, arm yourself, encourage yourself. We see David in the Old Testament was uh, having a really dark season in his life where the king of the land was trying to kill him. And then uh, some raiding parties uh, uh, came and and stole the women and children from his camp. And so even the people that were on his side turned on him and, and they wanted to kill him. And so David was all alone. But in that moment, we read that David encouraged himself in the Lord. We see that Paul was abandoned by many of his followers and he found himself in jail alone and he encouraged himself. There are seasons where you're going to feel all alone. There's seasons where you're going to feel like, what is going on? But God is using that season in our lives to help us and to move us forward in Jesus' Name. Are you with me? And so we need to repeat. It's not enough just to do things once. You might say, I had a great prayer. Fantastic. I would say, keep it up. You may say, man, I I thought a great thought. That's fantastic. But keep it up. You may say, man, I I did some good things today. That's great. But let's keep it up. We need to repeat. Paul says, I keep praying and I keep thinking and I keep preaching. So don't stop. Keep going in Jesus' Name. We need to pray right. We need to think right. We need to live right. And we need to do that repeatedly. And Paul says that when you do this, and what he experienced was a contentment. We see that he experienced a contentment in the overruling providence of God. I love this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Isn't that good that Paul was contented? I'm believing that in this COVID season that we would realise that more is not always more, that things aren't always the thing that we need, that God has taken us deeper and that we can learn a contentment through this season. Paul said, whether I was well-fed and I've been well-fed or whether I'm hungry and I've been hungry, 
I know what it is to be content because I believe in the providence of God. God is in control no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. So he had this contentment. But he also had a courage in the unfailing power of God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 is one of the most well-known verses in Scripture. It says, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Paul found God in that season to the point he said, I can do all things. And I believe that this season is teaching us, you know what, what you said you couldn't do, you realise you can. Somebody said, I, I, I couldn't live without the shops being open. And guess what this season taught us? Yes, you can. I couldn't survive without my favourite restaurant be open. But guess what this season has taught us? You can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In actual fact, I believe you are stronger than you think you are. You're bigger than you think you are. Why? Because we serve a strong God. We serve a big God. And Paul was also confident in the unchanging promises of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God, will meet all my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Church, I trust that this series has encouraged you to hold on to your joy, to not give up, to not give in, because we serve a God who's able to meet all of your needs, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. And it's my prayer that when these four things are done right, we will bring contentment, we'll experience a courage and we'll experience a confidence in our lives just as Paul also experienced. I wonder, wherever you are right now, if we could just pray together and I'm going to ask the team just to lead us in a song as we worship just a little bit longer before we close out our service today. Father, I thank You that You are a God who never leaves us, never forsakes us. You are with us in the good times and the hard times. You're with us in uh, isolation and You're with us in the busyness of life. You are there. And You're the God who's able to meet all of our needs according to Your riches. If You be for us, then who can be against us? Right here, right now, we come before You afresh and ask You to come and saturate our lives. Wherever we might be meeting right now, I pray You would visit people right now, that Your presence, Your tangible presence would meet people in their homes and living rooms everywhere, right here, right now. That contentment, courage and confidence would be their portion today in Jesus' mighty Name. Contentment, courage and confidence in Jesus' mighty Name. Let it be, let it be. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 